Welcome to another edition of the Ultimate Weigh-In Show. I'm your host, Manpreet, a.k.a. MMA Lock of the Night, and your boy on Twitter at MMALOTN. This week, we're going over a big UFC 262 card headlined by a vacant lightweight championship scrap between Chandler or Michael Chandler and Charles Oliveira. I wanted to say Charles Oliveira first, but I fucked that up. But it is what it is. Live TV, baby. We're going to keep it going. Uh, big scrap, for sure. Obviously, a lot of people want Dustin Poirier to be in there is what it is. I'm still excited about this matchup as I believe it's going to be fireworks from the first bell all the way until somebody gets finished. Hopefully somebody ends up getting finished. Uh, but throughout the card, great names litter. We got Tony Ferguson, Benio Darius, Shane Burgos versus Edson Barboza. Absolute banger of a card. And uh, not to mention, we got the crowd back in the in the arena there too. I believe they're down there in uh, Houston at the Toyota Center. So should be ruckus just like it was over there in uh, Jacksonville, I believe it was, that they had the last pay-per-view. I, I can't wait. And Obviously, I brought me some great friends, some sharp dudes. Some of them you might have heard of. Some of you might you might not have heard of. But I promise that they all are sharp and they have great takes that you're going to want to hear before you go to your betting window and make your wages for tomorrow. So let me start bringing these guys in one by one. First and foremost, I got to bring in my guy, Adam Martin. Adam Martin from BJPen.com and a plethora yeah. of other places. Adam, what's going on, my buddy? Oh, man, I'm good. Um, first time on the show. I, I was on your uh, MMA Connoisseur show, I think, I think, like, two years ago. Dude, you had three Patreons back then. And I just saw you <laughs> tweeting today. You said you had, like, you're going to get to 400. This guy had three, guys. So what you've did in two years is pretty crazy, man. So just congrats to you, dude. I'm, I'm happy to be here, man, talk about this awesome card. Great card. Should be good to break it down with you guys. Absolutely. I just want to give a quick story before we bring the rest of the people in. I've known Adam Martin. Adam and Cody have probably known the longest, uh, especially around this space. Uh, I used to manage a fighter named Gary Mangan, or somewhat manage him very, very softly. Whenever he would come over to Toronto because he lived on the Vancouver side of things, moved to Montreal to train at TriStar, and then eventually would come to Toronto and do some things over here. And uh, Adam wanted to, to, to interview him. So I brought him to uh, Adam, who actually worked at the score at the time, downtown Toronto, brought him in there, and they just interviewed each other, blah, blah, blah. It was a great time, and that's the first time I actually met Adam. I added him up on Facebook, and we've just been friends ever since. And I'm glad that our paths continue to cross over the the years, and that we still get to talk to each other and cover the sport that we love. And uh, yeah, you've had a lot of success. I've had a lot of success. It's just amazing that we're able to do this. Uh, the amount of time we are. The last thing I'll say about this: the guy that I brought to interview to him is actually fighting tomorrow morning on One FC. Uh, his name is Gary Mangit, Saint Lion. Uh, I, I can't even recall the guy that he's fighting, but uh, an Indian fighter hoping that he can go out there and actually come to uh, bring his uh, performance or his top game performance. I believe he's down there in Las Vegas now, training at Extreme Couture. Uh, so he's really rounding out his game compared to training at TriStar. And he trained with uh, DJ for a couple uh, years over there in uh, Wacoma, uh, Washington, I believe, or Tacoma, Washington, I should say. So yeah, hopefully Gary Manga pulls it off and even Arjun Buller. Hopefully he can pull off the upset sure. and beat yeah. uh, Brandon Vera. All right, let me bring in the rest of the crew here. Next up, we got my guy Danny Legs, Legs uh, underscore the capper on Twitter. You guys know him from the Club and Sub podcast. I've had two guys from the Club and Sub podcast already on here and I definitely had to have Legs as well. Legs, what's going on, my dude? Not much, man. Happy to be here and uh, I, we, I mean, we just chatted up on Wednesday about this card. You know, happy to have you on our Club and Sub podcast, but uh, yeah, happy to be here. Yeah, you killed it in the host role because I know that's really not your role. Uh, our yeah. guy John Stargain was out of the out of the chat for a little bit, so all good. I'm glad that uh, we're able to do that show on Wednesday. Shout out to Magic for actually hopping on the show and doing his first ever podcast appearance, uh, and then obviously chilling with you guys was always a treat. And then lastly, this man I just stumbled upon recently, but he is a sharp motherfucker, and I'm very glad to have him on the show. We got my guy AJ. AJ, what's going on, my guy? 
Great to be here. Blessed to be here. It's an honor. Thank you so much for having me on, man. Looking forward to chatting it up with these fights. Hell yeah, dude. Trust me, that man is very sharp. That man is very sharp. I can't wait to break down these fights uh, with these guys. So not too much to kick off uh, uh, the show. We just want to remind you guys, make sure you guys like, subscribe, do all that type of stuff. We're going to be going over the entire card from bottom to top for you guys. And then at the end, something new that I want to add to the show is I'm going to get everybody's lock of the night play, essentially. Again, lock is a taboo word in the gambling world. I don't give a fuck. Clearly, I don't give a shit about calling anything a lock. I know there's nothing luck, uh, luck worthy in the world, but uh, we'll always give you guys our best and most confident play. And that's where I'm going to be getting for my guests moving forward on every single episode of the Ultimate uh, Way in show starting tonight. So just stick around for the last segment and they'll give you guys their lock of the night play. All right, let's just get this thing going. Uh, bottom of the card, first fight of the night, we got Sean Soriano going up against uh, Christos Yagos. Uh, in terms of the lines, uh, Yagos, one of the bigger favorites on the card, I believe second biggest favorite on the card at this point. Minus 190, uh, plus 175 on Sean Soriano. I'll kick things off here. Uh, I like Christos Yagos, right? Like, you know what he brings to the table. Wrestler, grinder, likes to take you down. Uh, the only issue here, though, is, which is why I'm not trusting him at minus 190, that gas tank gets a little bit iffy in the, the third round, right? Like, that's where it's just like, is he going to be able to survive whatever his opponent's throwing at him? Who knows? He was able to survive Demir Hadzovic's uh, punches and, and power, and I believe Hadzovic is a much better striker than what we're going to be getting with Sean Soriano, not to mention bigger power from Hadzovic. Uh, but again, MMA math doesn't really work out that way. Sean Soriano obviously making his return to the UFC after going 0-3, not to mention two of those fights on short notice, but stylistically horrible matchups for him. You got Tatsuya Kawajiri, Charles Rosa, and Chaz Kelly going out there and just grapple-fucking him to death, and then he ends up getting cut from the UFC, makes a couple rounds on the regional scene, and then eventually finds his way back to the UFC on short notice. What he's been doing in the meantime, Sanford MMA guy, seems to really take a, a role in the coaching style uh, over there too, right? He's holding pads for guys. He's cornering guys. He's almost taking the Gilbert Burns route over there in Sanford MMA, helping out Henry Hooft, uh, making sure that the regional fighters are good to go. So that's obviously got to help your game, right? But how much is it going to help you in terms of stylistically when you're getting grapple fucked once again? That's exactly where I expect uh, Christos Yagos to do. And as I dropped on the prop new up show last night, I do like me some Yagos and I do like me some Yagos by decision plus 125 as I don't think he's going to be going for submissions much i don't think he's going to be going for the ko much and again you want to conserve that gas tank when you are uh having that type of style which is just grinding exerting all that energy and just trying to dominate your opponent and i think that's exactly what he'll do here just a little bit iffy about that third round um but yeah my pick is still going to be yagos by decision adam i'll let you uh uh pass it on over to you how do you see this fight going down yeah, I feel like this is a tough card in general, but this fight seems kind of clear-cut. Giagos should be able to just wrestle Soriano. Like, the first time he was in the UFC, he was just taken down, submitted. I don't know if he's even improved that. You know, it's hard to say, really. Like, he's been submitted on the regional scene since then, right? But obviously, his striking looks good. His last couple fights got some knockouts. Um, he's looked good. Obviously, training at Sanford. I love that gym, guys. Like, I bet on those so fighters all the time. Yeah, their, their team's so consistent, right? But... Man, he's coming in on short notice, and really, I think he should be at 145. I don't know about him at 155. Obviously, he looks he looks like he's in good shape. I think the fight probably goes three rounds. I'm leaning towards Thiago's by decision, but there is something keeping me away from this. I don't know. There's something about this fight that I, I don't know, but um, so no play for me right now, but uh, I do lean towards it. I pretty much echo your statements, man. I think Thiago's by decision seems like a likely uh, scenario in this one. Yeah, sometimes you can't neglect what your gut is feeling. And especially if you're, you know, your gut is telling you not to bet the chalk, probably don't bet the chalk. We'll see what happens. Legs, how are you seeing this fight go down, buddy? Yeah, similar to you guys with uh, 
Yago's by decision. But the thing is, though, I do think he could have chances to find submissions here. But like you saw in his last fight against Carl Minus, like his goals aren't exactly there. And like you touched on cardio, so minus two hundred. Finishing upside isn't exactly there. The cardio isn't exactly there. And then on the other side was Soriano. You already touched on Adam, short notice. And on top of that, I don't think his cardio was that good, to be honest, to begin with. So I think Yagos could find a submission. But again, I don't think his submission skills are too highly enough. So I think it probably lasts to a decision, but not too confident because of the cardio. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up about Soriano's cardio, not to mention that Bruce Boynton fight that he lost, which was his last yeah. loss four fights ago, comes in as a minus 520 favorite, blows his wad in that first round, and gets choked out in the second. So, uh, yeah, it, it could go both ways here. AJ, you give him more credence to Soriano, or do you think Yagos takes this? I mean, I got to give Soriano some respect. He's in high regard. Even Michael Chandler on the Embedded, I don't know if you heard yeah. was talking about how good his striking is. So I do acknowledge if they're striking – I got to say, Soriano has a legit finisher's chance on the feet. But Yagos knows the weakness in the game. Get the wrestling going. And if you look, Yagos sets up his takedowns with punches fairly well. I think he's going to look to chain wrestle, remain on top for three rounds. And physically, he's going to be stronger. You look at Soriano, as you guys said, best suited for 145. At 55, Yagos physically stronger, better grappler, unanimous decision. I like the idea of betting Yagos maybe with a little sprinkle uh, on the prop of the decision. And I'm also thinking of parlaying him up, but I was waiting till the weigh-ins. And I got to say, I was impressed by the physique of Yagos as well. He's, he's in good shape. Gas tank could be an issue, but Soriano not having that much to offer off the back, I think cruise to decision here, Yagos. I like it. Yeah, this is the ultimate weigh-in show after all. And I'm glad that you brought up that he did look on this good on the skills. I should also fix my sticker up there. There we go. The ultimate weigh-in show. Not propping you up. Uh, but yeah, unanimous. Here we got Christos Yagos, more than likely by decision. All right, let's move on to the next fight. We got Kevin Aguilar versus Tucker Lutz. Very close fight. Obviously, we got the odds at minus 110 for Tucker Lutz, plus 100-ish, minus 105 for uh, Kevin Aguilar. Uh, Adam, I'll get you to uh, kick this one off. Who are you feeling in this close matchup? Yeah, it's an interesting fight because um, Aguilar historically does have good takedown defense, right? But I still think Lutz can get him down, guys. I think he's going to be able to wrestle this guy for three rounds and win a decision. I, I was pretty impressed with the two fights on Contender Series. Like, I know he didn't get finishes, but he did go the full 15 minutes in both fights, got some experience. Um, Kevin Aguilar is a guy who just want to fade. I, I just don't think he's a UFC caliber fighter at this point in his career. I know he's fighting at home. If the fight does stay staying, he could have the advantage, but I just feel Lutz takes him down. Um, grinds it out. So I like Lutz here, guys. I think he wins a probably decision. That's what I'm thinking. Aguilar's pretty durable. So Lutz by decision. Aguilar did surprise me coming into the UFC with a 17 and 1 record, considering how he fights. I was like, how the fuck is this guy 17 and 1? That one loss is Leonard Garcia, I believe, in like 2013 or 2014 or something like that. And that's 2013, 2014, Leonard Garcia, not fucking Leonard Garcia having wars with Korean zombie years uh prior legs. How are you feeling about this matchup? Normally, I, you know, us on the club and sub podcast we're usually like you know trying to make a case for the ufc veteran against the dana white contender series guy coming in here but i, I don't think there's much of a case to be made for kevin aguilar i just don't like i touched on i think he's just the guy you kind of fade just i mean even the charles rosa fight the last time out I mean, losing striking to charles rosa i i think it's just a pass but i, I mean let's hear but i i'd have to pass on the fight in general just to see like you know see his first fight in the ufc see how it goes against a tough bet yeah, for, for me, it seems Aguilar is somewhat one-dimensional. Do you echo yeah. those sentiments, AJ, or or uh, do you give him more credence in his game? I, I can't be huge on Aguilar. Stiff is something that I have to say with Aguilar. Not a ton of head movement. You see him hittable inside the pocket. I thought that his chin was shot after Tukugov put him out, 
But I will say against Rosa went to three rounds. But as we mentioned, Rosa is by no means a striker. And in 2021, that loss to Rosa looks bad. Tucker looks decent grappling game. Not going to say he's, uh, you know, the next Khabib, but the guy has pretty good takedowns. His control from the top is decent. And his kickboxing is actually pretty credible. I'm impressed by him enough so to beat Kevin Aguilar. I think he definitely wins this fight. I like decision. If Aguilar's chin really is shot, maybe we see a knockout. But more so, I'm going to lean decision victory, Tucker Lutz. I think that uh, he's going to get it done here over a guy who's not that old in Aguilar, but he seems to be older physically, the way he fights, the way he's moving. He seems slowed down. I don't know if it's – I might be wrong on him being out of his prime and finished, but he looks towards the end of the career in my opinion. All right, that's two fights down for us and both of them unanimous decisions because I'm going to be on Tucker Lutz as well here. I think that he brings much more to the table in the striking realm. And when I was talking about Aguilar being one-dimensional, it's just like he seems to just move in a straight line, wants to knock your head into the fifth uh, fifth row. Um, it seems like he only grapples when his opponents initiate the grappling. Otherwise, he's just like, I'm going to walk you down linear, uh, you know, not try to cut you off the cage or anything like that. The guy is savvy. You know? I mean, he has, he, what, he's 17 and 4, 21 fights. Um, but obviously, he's on a pretty bad streak right now going on three in his last three. Uh, but yeah, this is a tough one. And and just like legs, I try to go out there and look for reasons to fade contender series, guys. This is not this is not the spot. This is not Gloria DePaula. This isn't, you know, the, those other fighters that are coming off the contender series. Exactly. <laughs> I know you're happy about that one because you're on McDessy that night. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so yeah, Lutz, Lutz for me. So we got Lutz all around here. All right, let's move on to the next one here. And if I told you guys two years ago that Gina Mazzani was going to be the biggest favorite on a UFC pay-per-view card, you guys would call me a crazy motherfucker, right? Legs, I'll let you kick this one off. Uh, Priscilla Cachuera, plus 180, minus 200 on uh, Gina Mazzani. How are you seeing this one go down? I think it's one of the first dumpster fires we got on the card. I think <laughs> from 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 a perspective, I think gun to my head, I would have to bet the under at plus like plus two hundred, plus two twenty. But even that, I, mean, I, I would have to be honest in general. I think Priscilla's pretty round one or bust, and I think Mazzani could get takedowns here, could get a submission, but she's pretty reliable, like unreliable on the feet. And I think that you know a blitz KO from Priscilla in the first round is definitely live here. For me, it's going to take more than one great performance against a girl like Rachel Ostovich, who was four and five going into that fight. For me to go out there and bet a girl like Gina Mazzani at minus 200. Uh, AJ, how are you feeling about this matchup? You think Cachoeira has that opportunity to pull off the upset, or you think that Mazzani rolls here? I saw the minus 200 price tag for Mazzani open up, and I was just as shocked as you guys. I mean, you beat Rachel Ostovich. Granted, on the other side, Cachoeira beat Shayna Dobson, so neither of them have really won a fight in the UFC as of recent against anyone notable. I personally would not bet Mazzani. The things I do like about her, southpaw, lots of movement, pep in her step. I mean, the girl moves fairly well, from fights from the outside decently, good wrestling, not great. Priscilla Cachuera got some power in the hands. She's tenacious. I'm dogger passing it. I'm going to go the dog Cachuera, but by no means am I calling this the lock of the night. This right here, win probably KO round one if you have to pick it, but I wouldn't throw much down. Maybe sprinkle the prop if the, the plus money is valued at good enough price, but I don't love a bet here. Women's MMA is crazy, especially with two girls who have taken losses in the UFC a good amount. Absolutely. When I was initially skimming this card and looking at the odds and saying, okay, which spots do I want to kind of circle as a potential locker than I play? I slapped myself a couple, a couple times uh, thinking that Gina Mazzani was going to be the spot because this card throughout is very closely contested in every single matchup. And I felt like the skill difference between Mazzani and Priscilla Cachoeira was large enough for me to justify a bet on her. But 
after running the tape, you know, even though she looked great in the Rachel Ostovich fight, she's still getting hit. She's still getting clipped. And it's not that long ago that we've been seeing her get hit by big shots. And I'm not trying to compare Cashuera to Julia Avila or Macy Kiasson, but the one thing that Cashuera has is big power and big uh, power in her, in her hands. Not the most technical, but if she wings those shots and lands right on that button, Mazzani still seems like that fighter that will probably shell up, you know, go into a position that just allows uh, Kashwar to just wing shots on her and possibly get a, a standing TKO or something like that. That scares me. That possible scenario scares me. Um, I think the only thing to really play here would be um, Mazzani decision, if you truly believe that she goes out there and gets the takedowns and keeps on, on top of Kashwara. Uh, or Kashwara by KO, plus 600. I would personally be very surprised if we see uh, Kashwara win a decision here. I think Mazzini will win the minutes. I think she'll get the takedowns. I think she'll get the control time. But it's just, is she going to be able to keep Kashwara down? This isn't Valentina Shevchenko we're getting for fucking Gina Mazzini, right? And even in the Luana Carolina fight, we saw very little of them on the ground. Uh, but it seemed from what we saw, Kashwara was able to like buck her off and get back to her feet. And I could see her doing that here against Gina Mazzini, who still going into that third round against Rachel Ostovich, fucking slouched over so tired uh james cross almost slaps her hey fucking look at me and she's like okay what what do i need to do uh, if you guys also remember before the uh, during the lena landsberg fight when she was running at 135 pounds going into that third round she's almost dry heaving into a bucket because she's so fucking tired now at down at 125 she looked great on the scales just as she did the first time she made the way it seems like james cross is doing what james cross fucking does especially with fighters around this type of skill set um I trust him enough to give her the game plan that she needs to go out there and, and implement it and take her down and, and just grind her out. But it's just those instances when the fight is on the feet and Kashwara potentially lands one of those big bombs. She's going to be hard to put away. But if she lands one of those big bombs on uh, on, on Gina Mazzini here, I could absolutely see the quit and possibly Gina Mazzini just shelling up and, and taking a TKO loss there. Um, but ultimately, I'll go with Mazzini. I'll go with her to win this fight by decision. I can't trust Kashwara. At most, I'm just going to be sprinkling a little bit on that plus 600 uh, KO line because I I think that is a, a little bit of a ridiculous line considering as I think that's the only way that uh, Castro actually wins this fight. Uh, so yeah, uh, pick for me is going to be Mazzini via decision. Adam, how are you feeling about this one? Yeah, I, I feel kind of the same way as you. I think she should probably grind it out here, but man, so many question marks about her. Guys, I mean, just that fight with Avila, man, the way she shelled up, getting punched in the face, like Castro definitely could do that in the first round. So for me, it's like I would never leave minus 200 G and Mazzini. I mean, that's just... Like, that's just a Asking bad for bet. trouble. Yeah, that's a bad <laughs> bet. You know, I, I, you know, like the under two and a half at plus two ten is definitely tempting. Though I, I would say, guys, because I think a finish could happen in this fight. You know, I, I think the the uh, catch work could get tired. Maybe could pound her out late. Maybe I, I, I don't know if it's gonna. It might come over the two and a half, but I do think there's a chance this fight does end in a stoppage. Um, you know, and catch work could win obviously by knockout too. So for me, you know, I would still pick Mizani to win this fight, but. Based on the line, it's probably dogger pass. So I can definitely see why um, you guys would be interested in that dog money too. Yeah, I don't blame you at all. This is, again, very sketchy, especially the two big favorites that we have on this card. Mm -hmm. How much can we truly trust them, right? All right, let's move on to the next fight here. We got Andrea Lee going up against Antonina Shevchenko. Heavy love for Andrea Lee throughout fight week. I would say it's more odds-based as well, too, not to mention uh, Antonina Shevchenko opened up at minus 195, getting steamed down to minus 125. A lot of people love Andrea Lee. I know one person in particular really likes Andrea Lee on this panel, and obviously we'll get around to them. But AJ, I'll let you kick this one off. How are you feeling about this matchup? Well, but I will say I like Andrea Lee's style, entertaining girl to watch, comes to fight, solid Muay Thai striking. On the other side, though, you have like elite level 
Thai boxing. You have the team around her. I mean, Valentina, her sister's the world, or excuse me, Valentina being the world champion, her sister Antonina here in a spot that really pushes her towards contendership with the win. I don't know the exact rankings matchup here, but Andrea Lee at one point was talked about as a contender. I mean, some disappointing losses, the Roxanne fight in the last one. I was really not crazy about her performance. I feel like Shevchenko, technically more sound with her Muay Thai, defensive grappling good enough to deal with Lee's offense. If Lee even looks to get this fight to the ground, primarily more so going to see her in entertaining striking battles. I think decision win Antonina Shevchenko. That's the pick that I like in this one. Do I want to bet women's MMA, especially on this one being this close at minus 125, not terrible value here earlier in the week. As you said, the minus 190, there was no way I was trying to find any way to pick Lee. But now that the odds have come closer, I'm going to ride Chevchenko. I think that she gets a win here. Hard-fought decision. Yeah. Again, when I was looking at this pre-research and all that type of stuff, uh, Shevchenko was another one that I kind of circled pre-tape, thinking that she could possibly be one of my big plays. But after running the tape, I'm just not convinced. I still think she ends up getting the win. Don't get me wrong. But uh, defensive grappling, like AG talked about, I think it's improving, but I still think it's a little bit of an issue. We've truly only seen it exploited in the Roxanne Modafari fights and the the, the Chukagian fight. Um you know, we didn't know Chukagian had that in her. Everybody expected her to go out there and do the Chukagian thing to win that fight. But she just put on her fucking wrestling singlet and just took Antonia Shevchenko to town that night. Um, but I think Andrea Lee just has the same types of issues grappling-wise, uh, defensively speaking. I think she might be slightly more reliable. But even with that said, just watch the Roxanne Modafari fight last time around. And then again, we're not getting Roxanne Modafari with Antonia Shevchenko. Say what you want about Roxanne and how she fights. And, you know, she's past her prime, all that type of shit. I don't even know if she ever had a prime to begin with. <laughs> but with that said, uh, I, I still find it hard to believe that Antonia will be as, be as successful as Roxanne. Mm -hmm. I think that... This should be a striking battle, and there is the concern that Andrea Lee's uh, volume could possibly uh, get her the W here, or I think that the more damaging shots will eventually come from Antonina, and that could actually end up swaying the judges. Or the last thing that I'll uh, scenario I'll play out, it depends on who goes out there and grapples, right? I think that both girls have uh, uh, issues in, in that defensive grappling, like I spoke about. And whoever wants to attack the grappling first probably ends up winning that round. I don't see a finish happening. I don't see a submission happening either way. I think they're quite defensively sound on, on that side. But in terms of their grappling, getting taken down and, you know, bad timing, especially for Andrea Lee in that fight with Lauren Murphy, where she's doing great, you know, winning fucking four minutes of the round and then she gets taken down with 40 seconds left and that sways the judges enough to end up giving that fight to Lauren Murphy. I thought that out of the three fights that she's lost, that fight, Andrea Lee should have won that fight. Hands down. I thought she deserved to win that fight. The Joanne Caldwood fight, very close. You know, can't say much about that one. And then the Roxanne Modafari fight, right? That was a night where I fucking, uh, absolute horrible move on my end. I parlayed her and fucking Julia Villa, who both ended up losing. Uh, Roxanne Modafari beat uh, uh, Andrea Lee. And then Sarge Eubanks ended up beating fucking uh, uh, Julia Villa that night. So horrible square shit on my end that night. But um, yeah, defensive grappling. That I think that's going to be the story of this fight. I'm eventually, uh, ultimately going to go with Shevchenko again. I think she's just cleaner on the feet. The volume might be a little bit of an issue on the Lee side, but I do think that we'll see Shevchenko land the better strikes here and hopefully implement the grappling in at least two of those three rounds and be successful with it. Adam, how are you feeling about this one? Uh, value on the slight dog on Lee, or do you like Shevchenko? Yeah, it's definitely a close fight for sure. I do lead towards Shevchenko a little bit, uh, and it's only because of the last fight with Lipsky where I did see the improvements in the grappling. She looked great in that fight. So she said she's training her ground game and her, her wrestling, her submissions. 
I tend to believe her. Obviously, she's a great athlete. And, you know, I think we kind of forget how good of a striker she really is. Like, she's a decorated Muay Thai striker. So I feel like if this fight stays staying, which I think it will for the most part, I just don't think Leah's the greatest fight IQ. And I feel like she should just wrestle in this fight, but she'll make it more hard for herself than it has to be and stay in the feet too much. So it's an interesting fight because the judges will probably get involved, guys. We, we got to mention this. We're in Texas. And the last time we were in Texas, there was four split decisions out of the seven fights. And one of the other fights was Jones beating Reyes, which was highly controversial. So this does seem like one of those fights that will probably go to the judges. And we could get a sketchy decision. So I'd be a little bit afraid of holding a ticket possibly in this one. But anyways, I I, you know, I, I got to pick someone. It's going to be Anthony Shachanko. I do think she probably wins the decision. I just think she is the, the better striker. And hopefully the improvements in the grappling hold up here and uh, she can stifle the takedowns and keep it standing and win the decision. That's one thing that happens. All right, legs, hold the fort for a club and sub. I know I'm pretty sure all of you guys are on Lee here. Uh, how do you yes. think she wins this fight? How do you think she matches up with Shevchenko? And obviously props to you guys for getting the line that you guys were able to get. How are you liking Lee in this fight? So to begin with, I thought the line was bad. Shit, crazy. Where minus 195 yeah. was crazy. I think it was just the line value, just based on name, Shevchenko, whatnot. But I have a unit and a half on her, plus 152. I think the striking is actually pretty close. I would actually favor Lee probably in the output. If it stays on the P15, obviously I wouldn't like to stay on the FIFA 15 but i think it's pretty close obviously you touched on it a lot with the grappling edge i think these should be grappling from the start here if she was smart i really don't think that the last type of lipsky really you know shoot up the the holes in shevchenko's game because lipsky isn't that good of a wrestler really whereas andrea lee averages four takedowns per 15 minutes minutes at a 45 percent accuracy i think she lands one round it's probably around and she when is it in here i'm I know the line's down to plus 105 for Lee money line, but Lee decision, so I think plus 160, plus 170. So I like that for sure. Yeah, this is a fight where it's almost nonsense to play the money line on either side, right? Like, I'd, yeah. I'd be very shocked if you see a finish on either side, so you might as well juice up those odds a little bit more by taking the decision props. I, I absolutely see the approach that you're taking your legs, and I don't blame you for it. It could be a close fight, um, and we'll see how it plays out. But you are on an island here right now with that Lee pick. And not, to, not to mention... Not to mention, not like I usually play with this kind of like narrative, but we talk about it a little bit like the what ifs. What if Carter, what she would have won the Carter fight? What if she would have yeah. won the uh, the Lauren Murphy fight? Is Lee sitting here at plus 150, plus 105 even now? She's probably minus 150. And then I guess not, not to mention real quick, you know, we're back in Houston. We got fans and whatnot. Andrea Lee's from Texas. Yeah. If it's a close decision, you know, <laughs> I don't, I, I'm, that's not obviously not why I played Lee. Here, of course. Again, just a narrative. Yeah, Adam was kind of hinting at that narrative as well, too. She kind of got screwed last time they were in Texas, right? But I, if I'm not mistaken, Lauren Murphy was Lauren training Murphy's out of Texas, Texas as well. Yeah. But if I'm not mistaken, isn't Lauren Murphy originally from Alaska? They they did their Texan yeah. wrong, I think. <laughs> but yeah. regardless, they're both training out of Texas, or they, they were training out of Texas at that point in time. All right, let's move on to the next fight here. We got Jamie Pickett going up against Jordan Wright. Dead even pick em odds right here. I'll kick this one off for you guys. I want no, no part of this fucking fight. Like, a lot of people are just on the auto-fade Jordan Wright mode, and I don't think that the, Jamie Pickett is necessarily the guy that you want to go out there and, and fade Jordan Wright with. Uh, I, I'm still picking Jamie Pickett to win this fight, don't get me wrong, but it's just his lackadaisical approach at times and his ability to just kind of let his opponent set the pace and set the tone of the fight. Just as, he, you know, there's a reason he was a contender series uh, vet for as long as he was, right? It's so weird to call somebody a contender series vet. I believe he had three fights over there and then finally cracked into the UFC with his last win. But the, the Tafan and Chukwui fight, right? Like his UFC debut. I'm not saying that Tafan is a complete bust after his last performance against Jun Young Park, but it shows that if you're the one that's able to set the pace and you kind of take the fight into your own hands, you can make Tafan really work and, and almost not break him, but at least 
you know, win some rounds off of him. Jamie Pickett seemed happy to just be in there with Tafon and just to be happy to be in the UFC. And he let him take the pace. He let him set the pace. He let him, uh, you know, fight the fight that Tafon wanted to, which is why I thought Jamie Pickett ended up losing that fight. If we get that Jamie Pickett that just turns on that switch like he did in the Jonathan Patty fight in that second round and just fucking goes buck wild and just goes move forward and, and lands on the chin of Jordan Wright, I think he can put him out. I do think that Jordan Wright truly has some durability issues. I don't like what I see from his chin, but we do have to still uh you know say what we see regarding jordan wright's game which is he is explosive he is athletic you know he has uh, some power in his hands he's quite kind of quick so he does have some good things uh, on his game right but uh, everybody just wants to focus on the fact that his uh, combined opponents on the regional scene were like 0 and 36 or some shit like that right like something ridiculous uh the king of can crushing is what we used to call him when we saw him come on the ultimate fighter uh and then get starched by anthony hernandez right like literally the first time he fights a quality opponent he gets starched and that's why he's kind of the laughing stock of the mma community I think he has a decent enough chance to win this fight, but I'm not. I'm not trusting him, nor am I really trusting Jamie Pickett with much of my money. I'm gonna go pick it uh, by KO, probably second round, um, just with very, very little confidence here. I would not be surprised if we see Pickett not push the pace. I would be surprised if I wouldn't be surprised at all if uh, Jordan Wright just kind of picks him apart from the outside, uh, stays away enough from those big shots, and ends up either you know knocking him out his own uh, in the second or third round here, or picking up a decision. And last thing I'll say about Jamie Pickett quite durable, right? That's my concern in terms of why I don't want to back Jordan right here. If we've seen Jamie Pick again finish over and over again in his last several fights or even in the regional scene, I'd probably play Jordan right by KO, if I'm being honest. But he's not. He seems durable. He takes some big shots from Tafon, taking some big shots from Jonathan Batty, big, big punchers that he's been able to survive and still keep chugging forward, which is why ultimately I'm going to go with Jamie Pickett uh, by knockout probably second round. Adam, how are you feeling about this one? Man, I mean, flip a coin, guys. I mean, literally, right? Like, it's, <laughs> this fight is, damn, I mean, it's a tough one to pick for sure. I love it from DraftKings. I should say that. I mean, I think yeah. the winner scores very highly in DraftKings, you know. Um, definitely a first round. I think I feel like there's a first round knockout coming in this one or maybe a submission too, possibly. Because, you know what? Watching right, like, I agree with everything you said about the striking and everything. But, I, you know, I was kind of impressed by his round game a little bit more than I thought. I know he's being some guys that were not very good competition, but... You know, Pickett, to me, has not looked very good in the ground game submitted by Charles Bird. And I don't know, man. I, I don't think his ground game is that great. So I wouldn't be surprised even if Wright did submit him. That's kind of why I'm leaning towards Wright because I feel like he does have more passive victory here. And he is the younger guy too. So should make some more improvements. Pickett doesn't really seem like a UFC caliber fighter. I, I'm not sure if Wright is, but I'm going to pick uh, Wright here, guys, by first round stoppage. I don't have a ton of confidence in it. I wouldn't be surprised if he got put out quickly either. So, But that's the way I'm thinking in this one, Wright by stoppage. With every passing fight, I feel so much better that everybody feels just as stumped about this card as I do, and no real confidence on some of these fights where I just can't put any confidence together. Legs, are you feeling about this one? Yeah, I'm going to flip a coin for the winner here, to be honest. I, I think both of these guys aren't UFC caliber, and I think I, I touched on it on Wednesday on our card a little bit. That whoever thinks bites down on the mouthpiece here, pushes the pace in this fight, is going to be the winner, is going to find a finish likely. Um, but yeah, pass from a betting perspective. Don't put your money on this. If we had a little bit more confidence in uh, Jordan Wright's chin, I think you could possibly pass him as a, yeah. a UFC caliber type fighter, right? The guy has all the athletic abilities and, you know, the flashiness and all that type of stuff. But it seems like if somebody touches his chin, the guy just goes night-night. So if he can distance himself from those knockout losses, maybe he'd be a little bit more reliable and then would finally cross that line and say that he's actually UFC caliber. AJ, are we too harsh on these guys? Do you have a, a strong read on either side here? I mean, at the end of the day, you look at uh, the Beverly Hills Ninja, that contender series fight. When he got touched 
with one punch by Anthony Hernandez, who's decent on the feet, but let's be honest, he's known for some nasty submissions. He choked yeah. out a high-level black belt in jiu-jitsu just his last five at the top of my head, can't remember the name, but amazing performance. Vieira. Boom, the Vieira. That fight right there was impressive and now you look at jordan right one touch on the feet right the striking level was a clear difference you put right now in there against a guy like jamie pickett who's by no means a world beater by no means a kickboxing champion but at the end of the day decent chin went the distance with chukwi who's a, a brick of a human being at the end of the day yeah sure he is a brick honestly because he, he's not the fastest he's one of the slower fighters that i've ever seen and i like chukwi i'm a fan but for me here you can't bet Jordan Wright. I, I could not feel comfortable having that guy have any of my money with the chin I've seen out of him. Ike Villanueva, the cut, stopped the fight. I think if that fight goes into the next round, Villanueva knocks him out. As long as Pickett goes out there and puts a little bit of a pace and doesn't just get tentative sitting back and letting Jordan Wright, who's very offensively sound with his karate-ish kickboxing, I got Pickett knocking him out. But at the end of the day, we're going to lean you towards either bet a sprinkle on the prop knockout or just fade the bet totally because Jamie Pickett is not high level and neither is Jordan right here. We'll see what happens when the cage door closes. Going to be riding Pickett though. Uh, a prop that I really like for this fight actually is the fight won't start round three at minus 125. I think that's a pretty solid spot there. I think the, the over-under set at one and a half, you know, just get us that extra two and a half minutes and you still get a decent line. I think that's a, a solid approach here. Last thing I'll say about this matchup, shout out to Anthony Hardonk. Unfortunately for him, his star pupil is Jordan Wright and uh, not the guy that you really want to be down too much. If I'm not mistaken, Anthony Hardonk's like training a bunch of Hollywood stars and all that stuff. Uh, I believe... Uh, Daniel Serafian used to do that as well out there in LA. Uh, but yeah, shout out to Anthony Hardonk. I'd, I'd be remiss if I didn't actually mention that legend over here. All right, let's move on to the next fight here. We got Mike Grundy against Lando Veneta. Another fight that just has me scratching my head so much here. We got minus 115 on Mike Grundy plus uh, 105 or minus 105 on Lando Veneta. Adam, I'll let you kick this one off, buddy. Yeah, it's an interesting fight, uh, especially because Veneta is dropping down, right, to 145. That makes it intriguing. But I think stylistically, I still have to like Grundy in this fight, guys, because I do like his grappling, man. Um, even the last fight against Evlov, obviously couldn't really hold him down, but the fact he got six takedowns is impressive against a guy like that. I think if he can get some takedowns here, he probably has a better chance of holding down Veneta, who Bobby Green had a lot of success holding down. And again, you know, he looked good in scale, Veneta. I get, get him that. Both guys look good in the scale, but... I'm still wondering about the cardio for the first time coming down to 145. Um, so I have more question marks about Vanati here. I do favor Grundy as the better grappler. Um, and I do think he probably wins a decision. That's kind of what I'm looking at in this one, guys. Uh, big fight here in terms of the weigh-ins, right? Lando Vanato going down to 145 pounds. Thought he looked great. Did, did you see anything else, Legs? Or or do you agree that he thought, uh, looked pretty good on the skills there? No, yeah, pretty good. Uh, and um, how do you so see this fight going? Yeah, so I mean, I slightly lean Grundy as well. I think, you know, likely gets to take down the top control and, you know, decision. I'm not too sure to say, like, have cardio to do that for 15 minutes against Lando, and not to mention if this stays on the feet longer than I expect it to. I don't think Mike's output is that good on the feet. I think Lando could, you know, potentially sway the judges, maybe steal a couple rounds. I think we might have to get a pretty close decision, as, you know, we've seen the odds, minus 110 apiece. Um, but yeah, slight lean to Mike, but no real confidence. 
I feel like a lot of people are giving Mike Grunny some rub here considering the first round that he had against Movs Avlov. But yeah. I'm a big Movs Avlov fan, think- don't get me wrong. But I will say this, his takedown defense isn't the greatest. His get-up ability is what's really good about him. Uh, and obviously he has a strong offensive wrestling game himself. But still credit to Mike Grunny for having that success that he did in that first round. I don't know if uh, our guy Avlov has a third long or, or he has gills <laughs> somewhere on his body or something like that. How he survived that fucking dark stroke is beyond me. AJ, uh, you liking Lando here or are you on the Grunny side as well? So I'm actually a guy that I thought Lando had a ton of potential as a fighter and whatnot, but he kind of hasn't lived up to it. All his fights are fairly competitive. Granted, he's a few finishes here and there and himself getting finished by Ferguson. But I feel like in this matchup with Grundy, Lando from the outside can be effective with his creative striking and whatnot, but the wrestling threat is going to be something that's really going to stifle his offense. You get in close. Mike Grundy's a British man. Have you ever met a British fighter without hands? They can box. Every one of them can box. Mike Grundy can box fairly well. I think that Mike Grundy works towards a hard-fought decision, but I have a crazy feeling. I don't know why. Maybe we see a draw here, a guy with two draws. Maybe you sprinkle the draw with a couple bucks. The odds are pretty crazy. So I'm going to be riding with Grundy decision. Fight goes the distance is another decent one to play, but the odds are going to be minus some solid money. Maybe you bet a little little drip on the draw there. Something crazy. I don't know. Maybe. You cheeky bastard bringing up the draw. <laughs> Why would you? <laughs> on a card like this, I wouldn't be surprised if we get a fucking draw. But yeah, I'm on the I'm on the Grundy train here too. I think his wrestling is going to be a little too much for Venata to happen. And AJ, I think everybody was on the boat with you in terms of thinking that Venata was going to have a much higher ceiling than what we've been seeing from him in the UFC so far, uh, especially after that performance against Tony Ferguson on short notice. Um, with that said, though, I think that Grundy's going to take him down time and time again. I think he's going to grind him out there. He's another guy that I have slight concerns about his gas tank issues in the third round, but I just don't think that Lando Venata has that viciousness about him anymore to actually go after the kill and try to, to exploit somebody like that. He could prove us wrong this weekend, right? I didn't even recognize him when he stepped on the scale this morning. I'm like, who the fuck is this guy? That's Shane Burgos, right? And then we fucking see him like smiling at this guy. I'm like, oh shit, that's Lando. God damn. The guy seems to make some serious changes, haircut, beard, all that type of shit. And not to mention, She's looking really, really good down there at 145. So let's see how that actually affects him in the cage. Uh, Again, physically speaking, he looked amazing on the scale. So hopefully it doesn't impact him too much in terms of having to cut that extra 10 pounds. But yeah, Grundy, uh, very reliable takedowns. I believe that's he's going to be very successful with that here. The one thing that stands out to me a little bit too much for uh, Venata as of his recent fights Mark T. Casey taking him down four or five times. That that just doesn't sit well with me, right? Like again, say what you want about D. Casey. The guy's mainly a striker, and yeah, you're a you're a mixed martial artist at the end of the day. But to be giving up takedowns to that guy, especially considering you have a wrestling background of your own, where the fuck is that? You know, I mean, that's that's nowhere to be found apparently, especially in this MMA game. So. Uh, we'll see what happens with Lando, but ultimately I'm going to be going with Grundy here. I'll go with Grundy uh, via decision as well. All right, that brings us to our prelim headliner here. Uh, liking that we're rifling through these as well too. Goddamn, 40 minutes in and we're already at the he- prelim headliner. I like it. I like it. All right, Jacare Souza against Andre Munez. Uh, a lot of love here from Jacare, it seems, but the line still relatively close. Minus 125 for Jacare, plus 115 for Andre Munez and uh, Legs. I believe you have a play here and i'll also let you kick this one off buddy yeah so similar to uh the last lead i had with Lee, with souza here i think this line's pretty crazy too that jock is still sitting around minus 120. i think that he has mooney's pretty much covered everywhere i think striking striking wise i think he's higher output power on the feet i think he could take down mooney's fairly easily and he's you know likes to play off of his back he's that guard player and i think jock has the obviously the much better grappling here it's not going to get subbed from bottom and then cardio i don't think muniz has the best cardio here so it's like 
to me, originally I wasn't looking to play Souza. You know, I know a lot of people are going to play that Washington narrative in the last of Kevin Holland, but throwing that out, he's been mostly competitive these last few years with high level competition. So I think pretty crazy. It's a pretty step, you know, pretty low step down in competition here with Muniz. And I just don't see any advantage of how, how does Muniz win this fight? Is he going to out grapple Jacare? I don't think so. So I think Jacare likely wins it. And I think he could find a finish here. I like it. I like that approach. I'm not a big guy on Andre Muniz, especially when he did not allow me to cash my under two and a half ticket with him and Antonio Hoyo. That was such a such a head scratcher, considering that both of these guys have been finished by the other guy's strength, right? Four knockout losses for Andre Muniz and obviously Antonio Hoyo getting subbed a couple of times on the regional scene. AJ, how do you feel about this one? You like the the old man, 41 year old Jacques Souza, or do you think 31 uh, year old Andre Muniz actually pulls off the upset here? Well, at the end of the day, I always, when it's a 40 or over fighter, I give my viewers a warning. Like, hey, he's 40 or over. I mean, a lot can change. You can be looking like a world beater at 40, and then 41, you look like you're finished. You're ready to go sit on the couch. I don't think that's the case with Jacare Sosa. He got caught in a weird situation with Kevin Holland. So weird. Before that, Jan Blahovitz split decision. Let's be honest, he had a better performance than Israel Adesanya did against the champion in Jan Blahovic. That's something of value. I'm not saying MMA math works here, but Muniz is not good with his hands by any means. Decent kicks, power advantage, Jacare, boxing skill set, Jacare. And let's be honest, Jacare is known as a, a great grappler. The guy has legit knockout power, has put out some fighters before, two knockouts over Derek Brunson. I think we're going to see Jacare Souza win by knockout here. Second round, Muniz sloppy boxing, decent kicks. But at the end of the day, Jacare is going to get in his face, get inside. He's not fearful of the grappling at all here. He gets a finish. Second round knockout. I love I love the confidence there for my guy, AJ. I'm right, I'm right there with you. I think Jacare is definitely a very good spot, especially considering what his odds are currently at. Um, but yeah, I'd like to finish as well. I think uh, Jacare by KO earlier in the week was around plus 500. Now it's plus 360. Uh, I know Cody last night I'm propping you up. I actually liked him by decision. One thing I'll say about Cody, just like me though, I, I'm a I'm an unders guy. I'm a violence guy. For some reason, I seem to lean the violence more often. Not he seems to lean overs and decisions more often. But this is a spot that I could definitely see a finish, considering that I don't think that Andre Muniz is that high level, right? The Antonio Hoyo decision. Hoyo is not that great either, right? We've definitely been seeing that, especially like that Duran win fight. Like, what the fuck was that? It, it, probably the most comical stare down we've ever had in UFC history in terms of size. Uh, and, and so goes out there and gets beat the way that he gets beat. Not a really good look on his end. Uh, regardless, stylistically speaking, right? Andre Wynn is not a great striker. Decent kicks, like AJ was saying. Uh, questionable cardio. Uh, and, and this narrative of Jacare being glass chin, I think, is just being extremely overblown because of that mean KO last time around with uh, Kevin Holland, right? I, I, I was on Jacare that night that one was so surprising to me considering what happened and not to mention we saw what happened to kevin hall in his next 10 10 fucking uh rounds that he fought in his next two fights and gets grapple fucked uh, pretty much throughout them and i expected jock race to do the same thing here considering he was probably the best jiu-jitsu player out of all those uh the two the two other guys that kevin Holland ended up losing to uh but yeah uh, Jock Ray Souza again, such a killer, so vicious on the feet. If you guys remember the Kelvin Gaslam fight, the third round, he's just stalking him the entire time. It seemed like Gaslam almost wanted a way out, to be honest. And he was hitting him with some big shots. And he could make a case that Jock Ray actually deserved to win that fight. So, very, very close fight there. Um, 41 years old, say what you want about that. That's always a little bit of an asterisk. But I do think the way that they match up here, it's in favor of Jock Ray. It's somebody in the comments section, don't remember who it was, but they said the UFC is giving him a cookie here. And I, 
almost and uh, tend to agree with him here. So, uh, yeah, out of all the closely lined fights on this card, I do think that Jacare is a very solid spot here, and you're getting some good value on him. So I'll go with Jacare, and I'll echo your sentiments as well, probably first or second round, TKO, ground and pound, or on the feet. Adam, are you resonating with us, or are you like Munez here? I feel like I'm on an island because I'm on the other side in this one, guys. Like, all I, right, give it to yeah, us. Yeah, I, I, you know what? I have a lot of success fading 40-plus fighters, especially when there's an age gap of 10-plus years like there is in this fight. This is a system play for me, guys. Um, so I'm taking Muniz. I, yeah, I mean, obviously, Jockery matches up well with him, and it's like it's like hard to see that path to victory, but I feel still feel like he's going to find a way to win this fight somehow. I don't know if it's going to be a knockout, maybe surprised on the feet, Muniz, or maybe just how grapples Jockery, but... I I fade these guys every week. All these heroes that, of ours in the past, you know, Cerrone last week, Benavidez, Wyland, all these guys. I know Jockery is a great fighter, and I love the guy, man. He's one of my favorites of all time. But I I fade forty plus fighters, guys. Like all the forty plus fighters are losing right now. Marion Renault, Alexi Olenek, um, Fabricio Verdum, all the forty plus guys lose, guys. And I I know Jockery's maybe this maybe still got this one, but for me it's it's a fade on on a guy being forty plus coming off a bad knock loss coming off three straight losses and against a guy who I think I think he's a little better than you guys are giving him credit for him in these, but we'll see tomorrow night. I mean, I could be completely wrong on this one, um, but it is a fade on me for Jockery, and I, I will, I'll take my knees. Don't fade the system if the f system is working <laughs> out for you, so I don't blame you at all, Adam, in terms doesn't of It doesn't work every time, man. I mean, like, yeah. uh, McDessie versus Bahamondi's. Like, that was one yeah. had a lot of advantages, but it obviously didn't work out. But typically it does work, especially with the 40-plus guys. Like, you know, Shayson versus Renault was one recently. I love that spot. You know what I mean? Because of that mm -hmm. age gap. It's another fight. Even Ferreira and, and for Doom, that was a good spot because of the age gap, right? So it's something I always kind of look at. It's just anything 40 plus, I can't bet on anymore, you know? So that's for me. I like my, it. I like my, it. All right. Go ahead. Go ahead, thing, Max. My, my thing there real quick, I guess, would be that Jocker has only had like one bad performance with Kevin Holland versus like Cerrone's had like five, six now we've seen fights where it's kind of dragged out. So I don't think it's, you know, I think we're riding off Jock a little too harshly. A lot of yeah. people yeah. are. The, the, the last thing I'll also say about it, in terms of that glass turn, I didn't really go into that narrative too much, but obviously Kevin Holland knocks him out last time. Last time he got knocked out before that, 2017, by Robert motherfucking Whitaker. Before that, 2009, by Gegard motherfucking Musasi. And then even before that, way long ago before that, right? So I think that glass turn narrative is just being a little bit blown up too much, especially considering like the fatality-esque type finish that Kevin Holland got him in the last time around. It did not look good, let's be honest, right? All right, let's move on to the main card here and i do want to take this time to thank all the 250 plus live viewers that we currently have shout out to you guys for coming out and hanging with us on this friday night i obviously am mad pre jazz aka mma lock of the night and mma olotian on twitter we got my guy adam martinson to my right on your screen uh you guys can follow him at mma mm adam martin on twitter we got my guy legs from the club and sub podcast you guys can follow him at legs underscore the capper and obviously find him on the club and sub podcast every wednesday night with the fellows over there and then we got probably one of my new favorite guys aj devito down there i believe his uh, tag is aj mma experts on twitter so make sure you guys go check him out and obviously his youtube channel too all their links to their twitter pages are in the description below so make sure you guys go send them some love and obviously make sure you guys hit that like hit that subscribe if you guys are enjoying the show tonight all right let's get to to the main card here first and foremost we got a banger fellas 
Shane Burgos versus Edson Barboza. What a way to start off a card considering like the co-main event and main event that we have in store as well. We do have a little bit of a, a break with the next two fights, but this one I'm very much looking forward to. It's so much heat in, on this freaking fight. Uh, Shane Burgos obviously stretching as a, as a bigger favorite now, right? Throughout the week, he was hovering around that minus 130, minus 120 line. Now he's up to minus 150. People are liking what they're seeing from Shane Burgos as of late. Plus 140 on Edson Barboza making featherweight for the third time and Seems to be deteriorating every time he makes that uh, makes that walk to the scale. AJ, I'll let you kick this breakdown <laughs> off. Who are you liking in this matchup of amazing strikers? You know, with the deterioration, man, you got me nervous when you said that. But it is true. At the end of the day, cutting that much weight, uh, he's not a spring chicken by any means. He's not He's not necessarily out of his prime, but it's towards the end of the line for Edson Barboza. The title shot has escaped him for many years. Shane Burgos is an excellent striker, kickboxing style, trains with Tiger Shulman. Those guys are all savages out there. But I will say, hands down low against a guy as technically sound as Edson Barboza, I believe he's going to read counters, look to set up shots from the outside. I do think Burgos has his fair share of moments here. I think we are in for an action-packed fight, but I think Edson's going to think, hey, I got to be technical and stay on the back foot here. We've kind of seen a lot of that at 45. He's been just a lot more back foot heavy, fighting more technically. Hasn't been getting finishes. It's escaped him. Has been losing too. Hasn't been perfect here. But I feel like in this fight, he beat Shane Burgos. I think he gets a win. Hard fought decision. But am I going to bet the house on Edson Barboza? No, I'm not. I actually like the bet of this fight. Either fight goes a distance or the over two and a half here. I will say I fear throwing more than a sprinkle down on that. Just simply because you look at Shane Burgos' style. It's forward pressure and action. But he is hittable. Edson on the other side. At the end of the day, I think fight goes to the distance here. But personally, sprinkle the bet if you're going to play that. This fight can go either way i think it's excellent matchmaking though and if edson wins i want to see yeah you rodriguez edson barboza Ooh, or, or this, some more thoughts too or maybe giga chigadze edson barboza so there's a lot a lot of big fights coming if edson wins but i will say legit chance that we see burgos on the other side not the strongest confidence pick not my lock of the night by any means but i'm riding <laughs> barboza I like it. I like it. This is a great fucking fight. And I'm glad that you brought the over and the fight goes to decision because it seems like there's a couple fights on this card that could produce absolute chaos, but their fight goes to decisions are like minus 150, minus 160, and you're getting solid plus money on the unders. And it almost seems like a trap. And I'm just like, hey, you guys aren't going to get me this time. I'm not taking that plus money on Tony Ferguson and Darius to go under or even this fight where we got two bangers on the feet. And again, Shane Burgos gets hit, hit a lot. We saw it in the Josh Emmett fight. Gets dropped two times. And the fact that he even survived that fight is absolutely crazy right I, i've been harping on it all week josh emmett this guy has absolute devastating power in his hands 10 knockdowns and nine ufc fights four of them against felipe arlanches god rest his soul that guy fucking just absolutely getting beat on in that fight and then obviously uh, uh shane burgos taking those two knockdowns as well again the, going into this fight and researching the fight I was, I was thinking I was going to be on Barboza too because the last thing, thing that I had or last impression that I have of Shane Burgos was him getting lit up on the feet by, by Josh Emmett. But I just wasn't giving enough credit to Josh Emmett. And nobody gives Josh Emmett credit, right? If I'm not mistaken, he's more often than not the underdog going into his fights. And more often than not, he pulls off the, the, the win and the upset. So I'll give Burgos a bit of a pass on that fight. The thing with Barboza here is... Uh, AJ was talking about he, he fights off his back foot. At times it's a good thing, but at times it's a bad thing in terms of not being able to be as super effective when you're being the one that's pressured. 
And, and I think that Burgos is going to be pressuring him moving forward, not letting him breathe, not letting him get his own game off. Uh, again, those kicks come up super quick, and Burgos is definitely going to have to mind his P's and Q's when he's closing the distance and trying to get his striking off, not to mention with his poorest striking defense, it could cause him trouble here. But I think ultimately what breaks Barboza and what beats Barboza is a wrestle-heavy approach. Obviously, we're not going to have that here from Burgos, but also that pressure approach where fighters are able to stay in their face and not really let Barboza get his strikes off. And I think that's what Burgos does very well. Those Tiger Showman guys like AJ touched upon, absolute monsters when it comes to that Muay Thai game. Julio Arce, Jimmy Rivera, Lyman Good, these guys just time and time again go out there and put on explicit and very solid uh, striking performances. And I'm expecting to see the same thing here with Shane Burgos. So I'm going Burgos. I'm going with the decision as well. I think a lot of people are trying to fade uh, Barboza to the extent of thinking that Burgos will knock him out. Plus 365 is obviously the prop line on that. But again, I think it's a bit of a trap. There will eventually be the day where the weight cut starts to catch up with Barboza and it starts to affect his durability and he possibly ends up getting knocked out. Um, because, you know, the guy's getting older and that weight cut's probably not getting any easier. How he even made 155 was beyond me. How the fuck is he making 145? That just blows my mind. But I don't know if this will be the fight where that chin actually ends up cracking at 145 pounds. So I'll go with Burgos by decision. Uh, and yeah, I, I really like Burgos in the spot. I think he kind of, I don't want to say lights him up like a Christmas tree, but I think he, I think he like fucks him up on the feet pretty bad, especially if he's able to keep that uh, forward pressure. Adam, how are you feeling about this one? Yeah, I, I agree. The forward pressure, I think, is the key to this fight. Uh, you know, that's what Gaethje did to break him. That's what Michael Johnson did to win the decision in that fight, too. So that's kind of how I feel like you can beat Barboza on the feet. He's obviously a nasty striker. And I feel like this fight will be competitive, too, though. I mean, I don't right. think it's a walk in the park by any means for Shane Burgers. This is going to be a tough fight, hard-fought fight. I am leaning towards potentially a finish, though, guys. Um, I do think Burgos does have the power to finish Barboza. Barboza at 145, I know he hasn't been finished yet, but maybe this is the fight because Burgos just puts that pressure on maybe a late finish or something. I, Bar both guys look great on the scale, I thought. I know Barboza kind of had like a yeah. tougher cut, I guess, obviously because, you know, he's a bigger dude, but both guys are big guys. It's going to be a great fight, man. Honestly, I can see a lot of things happening in this fight, guys, but ultimately I think Burgos does get the win and I'll, I'll take him by KO. I feel like Barboza has a damn good poker face on that scale because you know inside he's just dying. He's like, why is this guy taking so long to fucking read the scale? Why does he keep tapping the fucking thing? Just tell me either I made the weight or I didn't. So let me go get some a fucking drink of water or something like that. Legs, how are you feeling about this matchup? So actually, this is my most confident bet of the card. I have hey. seen burgers, burgers here at a minus 122. I actually don't think this fight is going to be all that competitive. I think that if this fight were 15 minutes, I think that Shane Burgos is going to be much like, I don't think Edson's going to be able to compete strike for strike with Shane. Shane has a crazy output, puts a crazy pace, crazy pressure on the fights. And that's, you know, Edson's kryptonite we've seen in the last couple of years. Those are, Adam mentioned, there's a couple of guys that beat Edson, keep him on the back foot, don't let him get his game off. And that's what the thing with Shane as well. I think that that close pressure style is going to limit Edson's chances to find that highlight reel finish, which I kind of think that's his most like his main path to victory here. Like I said, I don't think if this goes to a decision, I don't think Edson's likely to keep up on numbers. So I got Shane here. I have him knockout as well at plus four twenty. With how hittable Burgos is, that it's a little bit sketchy for me to to, to be that confident. But again, uh, all pressure to you. I'm not trying to talk you down from Burgos yeah. as, at all, right? Um, Josh Emmett was just able to kind of, even with the pressure that Burgos was putting on him, he was the one firing, whereas I feel like Barboza probably won't end up firing. He's going to be overthinking it a little bit too much. His circuits might get crossed or something like that. I, and I think that Burgos would definitely go out there and put the pressure on him. All right, let's move okay. on to the next not, fight here. Sorry, sorry. Go ahead. Lock, real, real quick. One last thing yeah. mentioned. Um, I was listening to a Burgos interview as well, just to see kind of like how he's reacting from that Emmett fight. You know, maybe it'll be a little more tentative, not pressure as much. 
But he said, keep it simple. Pressure. That's it. That's all he said. So perfect. That, Straight that's to all, the motherfucking point. Yep. That's all you need. From I love him. it. I plan, love so. when they reaffirm the approach that you yeah. hope that they take. And that's yes. exactly what we're going to be getting with Burgos. Maybe that's why we're seeing the line go the way that it is because, like, people are just like, how is he going to fight him? Pressure, baby. This is fucking Not pressure. To mention, I, I don't think Edson looked that great on scales either. Yeah, again, I think he has a great poker face, which yeah. is why he's just like right. his body, like <laughs> negative body fat at this point in time. How he, he keeps making that weight is beyond me. All right, let's move on to the next fight here. We got Catlin Chukagian versus Viviani Araujo, uh, minus 125 on Chukagian and plus 115 on Araujo. I believe it's back to me in terms of starting this uh, breakdown off. I feel uh, the way that Legs feels about uh, Burgos, that's the way I feel about Chukagian for some reason. And I know Legs has a little bit of a play on Araujo in this spot, which is fucking hilarious, but I've... I was an Aruzo believer after she knocked out Toledo Bernardo in a UFC debut. I thought she looked great. You know, hands look great. She has some decent power in her hands. Uh, she moves very well. Uh, but another one that I have a little bit of a question mark regarding her gas tank. And there could be signs that she's improving it because she's been able to go the d distance with Roxanne Matafari and those last couple fights that she was able to have. But I still feel like she she slows down a little bit. And going up against a girl like Kathleen Jukagin, who, in my opinion, has endless cardio, I think she can go that type of style for 25 minutes if she wanted to. Uh, I think it's going to be a bad matchup for Arujo in the sense that I believe Chukagian will be first. She's going to be sticking on her jab, landing a couple of leg kicks, staying on her bicycle. And then, again, staying on her bicycle is very important here where she gets out of the way of the big shots that's going to be coming away from Arujo. And I think that Arujo is going to be kind of throwing out wind for or, or throwing out air for the most of this fight. Um, we see it in other fights. That's how Jessica I beat uh, beat uh, uh, Viviani Arujo. Not so much with the movement, but more so with being first. Don't let Arujo kind of compute and let her combination start getting off just stick a jab in her face stick a combination in her face and don't let her get comfortable and that's what we know Gatlin Chikagian does the way that I compared it last night was with uh, on my prop new up show uh she reminds me almost like Neil Magny not with the grappling part of it but just staying consistent staying on the jab staying on the offense that you don't let your opponent get comfortable on so they can get their co uh, combinations off it could be a similar situation right outside of the grapple fucking or anything like that I expect um, uh, Chukagian to just stick that job out there and just stay active enough where Arujo is going to start swinging at air. She might start to gas herself out and then it's just going to get harder and harder to eventually land on uh, Chukagian. I don't think Arujo has the type of power that Jessica Andrade does, so I'm not too worried about her getting a body shot KO'd or something like that. Uh, I think that's out the window. And uh, yeah, I, I think Chukagian matches up very well here. We're talking about a five-inch height advantage. They have the same reach here, but we all know we've been around the game long enough that if you're tall enough, you can make that sticking and moving game plan work to your advantage. And that's what Catlin is super good at. The only issue that I have on the Chukagian side here is if Arujo takes a grapple-heavy approach, that does worry me a little bit. You know, we've seen Chukagian get back to her feet. But I feel at times you can see her get stuck down there. I'm not sure how good Arujo's top game is. I'm not super impressed with it. She landed four takedowns against Roxanne Modafari last time around. Modafari was able to get back to her feet relatively easily. Maybe we'll see the same thing here from Chukagin. But that might be the main culprit in terms of the judge scoring that round for Arujo. That's the little worry that I have on the Chukagin side here. But if this fight stays vertical for 15 minutes... I'm all on Chukagian. Minus 105, plus 100 for the decision prop, I think, is a beautiful line, considering that I don't see Chukagian winning this, or winning this fight by finish. And, and the last thing I'll say, that second round, Alexis Davis, 
uh, Viviani Rujo not look good. You see Arujo just not able to get back to her feet at all. If Chukagan goes out there and tries to take a grapple-heavy approach, one, I think she'll struggle to get Arujo down, who seems to be uh, showing up her takedown defense. She has great hips, great sprawl, so I don't know how Chukagan will take her down. But if she does... I wouldn't be surprised to see Chukagin and Antonina Shevchenko her, right? Like how that fight ended up going down, especially if Arujo is not able to get back to her feet. So I really like Catlin in this spot. Everybody seems to be writing her off considering she wants to have a family and all this other bullshit. But when it comes down to brass tacks and actually fighting inside the cage, she's going out there pulling a plus 210 upset over Cynthia Calvio last time around. How that line was even that big beyond me. I, I was more than happy to take advantage of that spot there. But this isn't Cynthia Calvio ahead of her, right? Viviani Rouge presents different threats and different risks. And I, I do think that Catelyn passes this test. I think she goes out there and jabs her to death, uh, stays active enough on the feet, produces the volume, and takes home a decision victory. So, yeah, I like me some Catelyn Chukagan is pretty much what I'm trying to say. Adam, how are you feeling about this matchup? Yeah, I'm on the other side again, man, for me in this one. I like Rouge on this fight, guys. I think it's going to be a competitive fight, obviously. I do see it going distance, but I just think she's really nasty on the feet. I think she's the better striker. I don't think uh, Chukagan's grunting is just going to win her decision here. I mean, it could with the judges, but I just think Arujo's going to like have better combinations, do more damage. I think there is a chance she could knock her out to the body too. I don't like the fact she got knocked out with that punch to the body. Um, that's that's bizarre, and I feel like this girl could knock her out with a. I shouldn't say girl. She's thirty four. She's older than me. I mean, she's, <laughs> she's a veteran of the sport, guys. You know, she's not a prospect. Like it's yeah. her time to shine. Like she's thirty four. She's ready to go, and I think. The biggest thing for me was like how is her grappling and watching her fights back like she has good grappling too so for me i i just i don't think kagan's like a fighter honestly i know she's able to win these decisions but never seen a lot of like finishing ability um obviously that's what we'll see out of erujo possibly in this fight too i just you know the, the cardio obviously is a concern and fight probably goes the distance but i do think she can win probably first first round for sure and maybe the second round too and win the decision so i, I like her a plus money here and that's my pick erujo by decision I like it. I like it. Uh, Chukagin, uh, another thing that we will say, she do required the box of shame this morning, but it seemed like a lot of fighters needed it for some reason with that with that half pound. I'm not sure what it was, but as soon as they dropped them under garments, uh, they were able to make the their their limits of their divisions. I thought they all looked great on the scales. Vivi looked great. I thought Catelyn looked great. Uh, in terms of stylistically how they match up legs, what's your argument as to why you think uh, Arujo is going to win this fight? Not only box of shame for Caitlin Chukagin on scales, but did you see her Twitter earlier too? <laughs> she got fucking raided dude that was hilarious <laughs> but uh, no i mean i echo my echo point similar to adam i i think on the feet vivi can keep up with the output i think she lands the hardest strikes and i think the grappling i think vivi's got solid enough top team to mix in that grappling i don't really think Trigigan can mix in the grappling on arujo like you touched on i think arujo's got solid takedown defense enough and then if this goes 15 minutes i, I mean the grunting and a full crowd i don't think going to sway the judges too. i think the, the hard shots and the grappling edge for our Arju, is going to be uh we'll get to this soon here. so i have a small play on uh her by decision at plus 220. you can't touch what you can't see guys i think atlas kick is not going to be there we'll see what happens aj you on my side or you are you on team arujo as these other two guys are so I'm, I'm definitely not a hundred percent as strong confidence on a Rujal, but I, I do have to ride with a Rujal slightly. But in our first interaction on Twitter, you did say something that I went back and watched. She was in trouble against Alexis Davis on the ground, controlled. That's not a good sign. Now, I do acknowledge though, time has passed. Um, yeah. You know, this is 
an improved Arujao, and I've been impressed by his striking, explosive, athletic, and a lot of movement. To beat a girl like Chukagan, as tall as she is, you need a lot of head movement and a lot of lateral movement. I mean, you got to get inside that reach somehow. Granted, I think the reach is about the same, but the arm length is probably different. Arujao does look fairly uh, broader, just overall her, her shoulder width. I'm going to go very close decision. We'll do it. For Rougeau, I, I I'm not like I'm I, I'm like I'm like 50 50 on it, but really I'm a, I'm a go with Rougeau. I had a Rougeau week. I'm not saying she's my lock of the night. I think she gets a very hard fought decision. It's competitive. It can go either way. At the end of the day, um, if True Kagan goes out there and wins the fight, I wouldn't say, oh man, I'm so surprised. This was a this is a shocker. I'm gonna go a Rougeau hard fought decision, but absolutely understand an argument for either fighter. And I feel like if you look at the history of True Kagan, you beat her, you're fighting for the world title. So if a Rougeau wins she might be fighting valentina shevchenko soon i had higher hopes for a freaking uh arujo before her last couple fights in terms of how competitive she would be with valentina shevchenko but like when after she knocked out bernardo i was like oh let's let's give this woman a feather <laughs> shot she looks great but uh we've seen her career pattern a little bit losing to just guy obviously not the greatest look but she is making improvements we have to acknowledge that and hopefully we can see some more improvements uh this weekend from her all right Let's move on to the next fight. We got uh, three more fights left. This one I'm kind of skeptical in terms of the, the positioning on the card for this one, but is what it is. People need to go to the bathroom. I get it. Uh, match now versus Hotzerio uh, Bontarid. Uh, again, all jokes aside, this should be a fun fight. This should definitely be a competitive fight. Bontarid, the only one to miss the uh, miss weight on the scales this morning, comes in. Uh, the last guy on the scales misses weight by one pound. Uh, doesn't look the greatest, let's be honest. Uh, not to mention, you got to give the guy uh, some flack uh, going up a weight class and still missing weight. He's pulling a Manny Bermudez on us here. Uh, not a good look at all. Uh, Adam, I'll let you kick this one off. In terms of odds, though, we're, we're getting minus 155 for Chanel, plus 145 for a How are you feeling here? You think the dog has some bite? You're, uh, you're muted. <laughs> Sorry, guys. I almost feel like it's like almost too easy to go with Chanel here, right? Because... You know, Bontarine struggled to make weight. He looked a lot smaller at the stare down, too. Snell looked bigger. Snell just fought. Um, he's looked better recently. Bontarine, obviously, the cardio issues, the chin issues. The fact this fight's at 135, not 125, he's still missed weight. That's obviously concerning. Took the fight on short notice. It's just that, like, I don't want to write him off too soon because he obviously does have good grappling. And I got to be honest, guys, Max Snell's chin still sketches me out really hard. Like, that fight with Hector Sandoval, man, getting knocked out oh of those God. punches on the ground, that really worries me. Like, I don't know if Bontree can get him down, maybe like get back control and pound him out. I don't know. Like, anyways, I gotta go with Snell still. You know, I'm still I still think he probably wins a decision, like just kind of like the Tyson Nam fight, but I don't know. Like, there's something about this fight that, you know, with the weight miss too, he's I don't know. Like, we'll see how it goes. Um, I hate when guys miss weight, always like it's a very extra variable um, when you're breaking down a fight. It's just like, uh, you know. But anyways, I gotta go with Snell here. It's just there's something about this one that again, my spidey senses are like kind of keeping me away from it. Yeah, I feel like we need to distance Schnell from those knockout losses a little bit more before we can truly be confident. Like, I almost compared to Gavin Tucker against Dan Ige last time around. I'm like, I like Tucker here. I think he wins this fight if it goes 15 minutes. But let's distance ourselves before, you know, we, we, we get crazy. And we obviously saw Dan Ige put him out, I believe, within a minute in that fight. Legs, how are you feeling about this one? You got Bontrain or you got Schnell? So I'll give you a little bit of flack there. I don't think this is a bathroom fight, bathroom break fight. I think this is a violent. <laughs> I was being facetious, man. Come on. <laughs> I think I think we see a lot of violence actually in this in this fight. Yeah. I think Bontarin has definitely chased to finish, and like Adam mentioned, he missed weight. So I thought his cardio to begin with wasn't that great. I mean, it didn't look that great in Kaikara France last night. Grappling, heavy approach in that first round, looked pretty tired, and then now 
obviously going up a weight class, missing weight, not too great. I like the under here. I think this is like one of the, like you touched on earlier with the unders, with the Benio fighter with, uh, oh, plus 150. You know, that's enticing. Well, now it's not this fight. I opened plus 150, but now it's down to plus 105, which, you know, I would say that's a pass. But I think if you got into that plus 150 for the under two and a half, I like it. Again, this one feels like another trap spot in terms of those unders where you're expecting absolute chaos and these guys lay on each other for fucking 15 minutes or you see Match now go out there and I'll point him over 15 minutes and not put too much too much sauce on his shots. AJ, how are you feeling about this one? Dude, I honestly earlier on in the week was high on Bunterin. I mean, I, there's a lot of things to like with his offensive striking. I mean, the guy does have some amateur experience in Muay Thai and boxing, has power in the hands, hurt Kaikara France in the first one and had his back and nearly submitted him. 11 wins by submission. You look at Schnell on the other side, three losses by submission. But when you go look at them at the weigh-ins, I saw a little bit of a belly on Rogerio Bontarin. Don't like that. Matt Schnell shredded to the bone. He's the taller guy, naturally uh, just a bigger human being. Up a weight class, missing weight by a pound to me is absolutely unacceptable. I am going to be picking Matt Schnell by a decision in this matchup. I would say it should be a fairly safe good to go bet just simply because i mean bonterman doesn't look to have put in all that much work in camp now i can't make assumptions just off him missing weight and whatnot but you kind of have to say that's not a good look uh you know to come in up a weight class overweight i feel like the weight cut should have been fairly easy not necessarily a harder one so i, I think schnell decision i've lost confidence in bonterman even though earlier in the week um I, I was thinking about betting some some money down on him but unfortunately not going to be throwing down with uh our boy bonterman going schnell I think the the former matchmaker Joseph was seemed to be a little bit harsher on these guys that would miss weight and probably give them more reason to cut guys, especially if they end up losing the fight that they missed weight for. I think Mick Maynard and Sean Shelby might be a little bit softer to these guys. Not to mention, there's so many. Adam knows this as well too. There's so many backstage stories about Joseph being a complete dickhead and an asshole and not really showing much uh, morality per se. Uh, but this could be a, a, a fireable offense, right? You're 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 contracted to come in on weight, a weight class above the one that you normally fight at why the fuck are you still missing weight so uh he's obviously uh lost his last fight as well uh that's not a good look obviously getting knocked out by uh kai car fans the way that he did uh and i think this is another spot where match now should go out there and be able to pick him apart over uh 15 minutes now i'm always gonna fucking kick myself for this because the last time he fought uh he went up against tyson I mean, if you guys remembered they were originally scheduled to fight back in november or december if i'm not mistaken and i was all over chanel i was like oh man chanel you know as long as he doesn't get knocked silly here he should go out there and absolutely piece up tyson am who again not no volume from him he always just is a head hunter he's looking to take your head off and and try to knock you out and i'll give that to tyson am one of the bigger punches or one of the bigger punches down there at the lower weight classes uh but i still felt like match now his boxing is tight his uh, you know he's very crisp on the feet very technical very very fast hands, ability to get in and out of the pocket very well. Um, and I, I was close to betting him. Then the fight gets canceled and a month or two passes by. And for some reason, something in my head starts clicking. I'm like, that Hector Sandoval knockout just, just does not look good. Like if, if Tyson Nam even clips him a little bit on the chin here, this guy's probably going to bed. So I end up going out there and betting fucking Tyson Nam by knockout for some reason the next time they fight. And look what the fuck happens. I, I get burned on, on my initial take. The only other time that's happened to me was when uh, Curtis Blades and Derek Lewis were fighting, but the opposite reason. I was taking uh, Derek Lewis to beat him the first time. Oh, he's going to knock him out. No matter how many times he gets, gets taken down, he's going to knock him out. Then they get rescheduled. And I took fully flip by going blades inside the distance. I think blades is going to take him down and just fucking pummel him. 
and look what happens. I, I get burned once again. So uh, stick to your gut the first time is what I'm trying to say. Uh, either way, with this one, what match? No, I do like match. No, I think he's going to be the better boxer. I think he stays away from the grappling. I do think that Bontarine is going to show cardio issues. He did not look good on the scales. Uh, I, I think it affects him a little bit, not a, a whole lot, but I do think it, it's going to rear its ugly head uh, tomorrow night. And I do think that we see Chanel either possibly get a late finish here. Great, great striking, like I said. Decent power in his hands. But I think he plays it safe, tries to protect that chin. Bontrain, not the greatest striker, but he does have some heavy hands. And that's something that Chanel is going to have to worry about here. But I do think that we see Chanel navigate the pocket very well here, land the better shots, and then come away with a decision victory. So I am on match now, but that chin does worry me a little bit. Let's just... Let's distance ourselves a little bit more from those knockouts, and then I'll be a little bit more happy to take match now here and not motherfucking Tyson Nam like I did last time. All right, let's move on to the next fight here. Co-main event time, Tony Ferguson versus Benil Dariush. Fucking chaos of a fight. What a tee-up we have here going into the main event. Uh, Legs, I'll let you kick this one off, man. How are you liking this fight? So first we'll talk about the press conference with Tony. Fucking crazy, man. I, I mean, oh, I, God. I like I. I just, yeah, I think he's losing it completely, to be honest. I, I like Benny here a lot spot. I got Benny at minus 140. I think as, for as long as this, if this stays on the feet, I think Benny can stay efficient enough on the feet to mix, you know, mix in the strikes he can. But I think the grappling edge is obviously where, you know, his ground, his, you know, his path to victory is in this fight. You know, we saw Kevin Lee while he was still fresh. He was able to grapple fuck Tony, but got caught, got caught. And then as we saw in the last fight, Charles Oliveira, you know, grapple fuck Tony to a decision. I think Tony, you know, it's easy to say, oh, he's washed, you know, this and that. But, you know, Justin Gaethje and Oliver, you know, elite-level competition. But I think Dariush has enough here to uh, get a decision here. So, Dariush, Dariush by decision, I think that's like plus 150 now. All right. Uh, AJ, how are you feeling about this one? You giving Tony a bit more of a chance than my guy likes? I have to give my boy Tony a bit more love. I talked about it all week. I said... We'll check out how he looks at the weigh-ins, how he looks at the pre I wanted to see more of Tony live action. And from what I saw, a lot of crazy stuff being said, whatnot. I personally like seeing that out of Tony. When he's at his craziest, I personally think he's at his absolute best. I think Tony Ferguson, I, I will acknowledge Benil Dariush offensive wrestling could pose a bit of a threat. I think we do see Ferguson potentially on his back, but Ferguson is going to be throwing off the bottom, looking for submissions. Don't necessarily think he taps out a guy like Dariush. That's very difficult to do. But I do think if Dariush obliges into some striking exchanges, if Ferguson can you know, be a little bit defensive with the takedowns, not look like he did against Charles Oliveira. I do think he's going to defend the takedown. I think Tony Ferguson is going to put a pace on Dariush, and I think he knocks him out in the second round. That's going to be my prediction. Tony Ferguson, the underdog knockout, prop it up if you want to play it. At the end of the day, I had to throw in the over 35 clause. Ferguson hasn't looked great, but I'm not giving up on my boy T. Ferg just yet. I got to win in this fight by knockout over. Benil Dariush is a great guy, and he's having his first kid. If he's watching this, congrats to him on that one. Gotta love him. <laughs> but you're going to lose this fight. <laughs> uh yeah man i wish i had the balls that aj has because i, I love tony ferguson right but one of the one of my favorite fighters uh, a little bit of a head case obviously we even obviously saw that way back in his ultimate fighter days he was pretty much up against uh the entire cast or not even guys uh against his team the guys on his team didn't even like him either but uh for good reason i remember uh, if you guys did watch that season you guys know exactly what i'm talking about i'm not going to get too much into it but uh yet it's hard for me to back Tony Ferguson after what we saw last time around, right? That absolute absence of takedown defense is just too concerning for me. I feel like Benio Darius coming off his win 
over um, Carlos Diego Ferreira, the way that he won that fight, chain wrestling, getting takedowns, kind of controlling him from on top. I have a hard time seeing Tony Ferguson being able to nullify that. And we know Tony Ferguson, right? He's, I compare him to Yuri Prohaska. I compare him to Brandon Royval. They create chaos and then they thrive in that chaos. And that's what we normally get from Tony Ferguson. But we saw how Charles Oliveira was able to control him like, he, he contained that chaos. That was absolute controlled chaos at that point in time where uh, Charles Oliveira was able to nullify him with just taking him down and, and controlling him there. I think Benio Darius just has just as good uh, jujitsu as uh, Charles Oliveira, which is why I think he'll be successful at that. And I think Benio Darius is a slightly better wrestler than Charles Oliveira too, so I think that he'll be able to ground Tony Ferguson here. Now it's just how does Tony Ferguson react off of his back, right? Is he going to be throwing up elbows like we saw uh, in his fight against Danny Castillo where he actually won a fight off of his back for the of that 15 minutes that could be a possibility i do think that benio darius does start to slow down later in fights and we know tony ferguson likes to pick up the pace instead of pace that most people aren't able to keep up with so if darius is not able to complete those takedowns later in this fight how's this going to look this could look like you know tony ferguson turning in another victim to the to the uh to to that collage if you guys remember that collage of all the opponents that he's facing and how he's busted their faces up could be another addition here with Benio Darius, but it's just too hard for me to see Benio Darius not be successful with those takedowns, taking this fight to the ground and controlling the madman, which is uh, Tony Ferguson. I will say this one last thing about Tony Ferguson. If there is somebody to take eight rounds of adversity the way that he did and come back from it, it's a guy like Tony, man. The guy's absolutely a nutcase when it comes to training and, and being the best fighter that he could potentially be. And, you know, the, the Justin Gaethje fight, not a great matchup for him considering how technical uh, Justin looked with his hands and absolutely pieced him up that night. And then Charles Oliveira. Who would have thought we'd see Charles Oliveira fight that way, right? Not to mention, like... Tony Ferguson was my lock of the night play that night because I truly believed he's going to go out there and break Charles Oliveira like we've seen Charles go out there and break too. My backup was going to be the under two and a half. That didn't even I hit. Had the, I, had, <laughs> I had the under two and a half. Yeah, see, like that, that would have been my backup lock of the night play. And that doesn't even end up catching because we see a very unorthodox approach from Charles Oliveira that we've never seen before. But credit to him. He knew he was in a hot spot to potentially get a title shot after that fight. So he stayed disciplined, did what he needed to do, and got the win. That could happen here with Benio Darius too, right? This is the closest he's ever been to a title shot. The guy's been in the UFC for years now, but this is the closest that he's ever going to get. So play that discipline game, get the takedowns, grind them out the way that you should, and hopefully you don't get knocked out doing so. And it's just a matter of time before that chin cracks because, goddamn, he eats everything and still keeps striking forward. But it's just a matter of time before that chin cracks. Is it going to be Tony Ferguson? I don't believe so. Tony Ferguson, not really a one-punch knockout kind of guy, uh, which kind of concerns me here. But if he's able to get his punches together, his elbows together, I wouldn't uh, be surprised to see him kind of uh, nullify the forward pressure of Darius and especially that, that wrestling game. So pick will be Darius, and the pick will be Darius by decision. But inside, I'm going to be cheering for Tony Ferguson. I really want to see him bounce back uh, and, and get a victory tomorrow night. Adam, I'll let you wrap this uh, matchup up. How are you feeling about this fight? You giving Ferguson a chance, like my guy AJ, or you think Darius rolls here? Yeah, I mean, he's definitely got a chance for sure. Um, I still got to go outside with Darius, though. I, I kind of feel like you guys probably use it's, if he's smart, uses wrestling, wins the decision, right? <laughs> Just there's something about me thinking maybe he's going to stand in trade, man. You know, like these guys are getting more. I don't know if you guys saw that news. They're getting $75,000 bonuses yeah. now tomorrow night. So like maybe these guys just want to stand in trade. I hope he doesn't do that because, you know, I, I feel like he should just wrestle. I think that'd be the, the best path to victory here. And Tony's going to make it hard even off his back, obviously. But, you know, after seeing Tony get dominated like that by all of our guys, it's just hard for you to back him right now and by Gaethje, obviously. So it's kind of a fade on Tony. But it wouldn't shock me if he did win because it's Tony Ferguson. You know, he's a guy who... I think for the longest time, a lot of us thought maybe he could be the guy who be Khabib. And yeah, he's a little bit older now, but maybe he's still got one left in the tank. I don't think so. 
but I'm looking forward to this fight. This this fight's going to be awesome. I can't wait, guys. I'm very much excited for it as well, too. If I was Benio Dariush's manager, though, and I heard that news about the $75,000 performance bonus, I'm calling him up right away. Like, hey, 75000 seems nice and all, but if you get that title, $75,000 is going to seem like peanuts to you. So please do not trade in the fire with the fireman himself, uh, Tony Ferguson. So uh, yeah, I, I like Dariush in this spot. Hopefully he pulls it off uh, for anybody backing him financially. But as a fan, I think a lot of us would like to see Tony Ferguson win, especially with the trials and tribulations he's been uh, uh, through the last two fights. All right, we're right to the main event here uh shout out to the close to 300 people that we got in the chat here shout out to you guys for keeping it lit up in there not to mention everybody watching the show appreciate it like subscribe do all that shit and then obviously give a follow to my guys that are uh, joining us adam uh legs and obviously aj their twitter handles are linked in the description below so make sure you guys go click that and then click the follow because i promise you it's definitely worth a follow all right let's get to the main event here we got charles Oliveira going up against a michael chandler big big matchup here to take that lightweight strap that was uh, left behind by habib Nurmagomedov, made minus 130 right now on charles Oliveira and my uh, plus 120 on michael chandler i will say the under two and a half is now at minus 175 because i feel like some of us are going to be hitting on that uh that prop here once we get into these breakdowns but aj i'll let you kick this one off how are you feeling about this matchup? Do you see the Bellator veteran Michael Chandler making a big splash and getting the title? Or does the, the battle test of Charles Oliveira end up getting his hand raised this weekend? Well, if you guys don't know me, I'm a big Bellator fan. I like <laughs> Bellator. I've been watching it a long time. But it's not necessarily um, just because I'm a fan of Bellator. I like a lot of things Chandler does well. I think he's one of the best fighters at getting inside of the pocket. Extremely athletic, fast. And let's talk about the physique on this guy. He's a specimen. I feel like Charles Oliveira on the other side will have some technical kickboxing advantages from the outside. Rip that leg kick. It could be a problem. And if you do look, Chandler has this habit of reaching for kicks a lot. And my fear is if, you know, Oliveira starts noticing this, he comes up high with that head kick. Could land. Could be something crazy. But I think less likely. On the ground, obviously very dangerous for Chandler. But I don't think that he's going to be stupid and choose to take the fight there. I think he dictates the pace comes forward, finds a way inside of the pocket, inside of four minutes, gets the knockout in the first round of Charles Oliveira, Michael Chandler, the new UFC lightweight champion. Maybe he can be the man to get Khabib to come back to. Hey, I love the conviction from my guy, AJ, there. Uh, great, great narrative at the end there, too, with uh, possibly goading Khabib to come back to the UFC. I I'm on Chandler here, too, man. I do like Chandler. I do think uh, AJ hit all the all the, the main points here, right? Very quick, very explosive, good hands, is able to close the distance very well and land on the chin of, uh, of his opponents, obviously getting a ton of first-round knockouts in his last several fights. Uh, but Charles Oliveira, he is improving in his Muay Thai game, right? That's one aspect of his game that we've seen improve on a fight-to-fight -fight basis over his 10-year UFC. UFC career, um, you know, had great leg kicks to start, but but since then has put the elbows together, the punches together, the, the kicks, all of that is really coming together. And this is the perfect time for him to go out there and get a title shot. Unfortunately for him, I think stylistically he's in a bit of trouble. Um, the, the one thing I will say, defensively speaking for Charles Oliveira, keeps his head on the center line a little bit too much. And I think that is just a prize or a pinata waiting to be bursted by Michael Chandler who's going to be able to find it because I do believe he's quick enough, uh, explosive enough to close that distance before Charles realizes that that punch is on his chin and he's probably going to go lights out. The spot that I like here the most, though, is the under two and a half. It covers both chaotic outcomes, as I believe Charles Oliveira, outside of that Tony Ferguson fight last time around. But I don't think that Chandler will secede those types of takedowns and that type of control time uh, as easily as Tony Ferguson did. So that's why I'm a little bit more confident in the under two and a half in this one and not being as scared as I was 
after the Ferguson fight ended up finishing. Uh, I believe Chandler keeps it on the feet. I believe they they go strike for strike. I believe that Chandler will land the better strikes. The leg kicks of Charles Oliveira is a little bit of a concern. You see that we saw Dan Hooker have slight uh, success with it. A lot of them were checked. Don't get me wrong. Chandler was definitely prepared for those leg kicks that were coming his way, but it only took like one or two before you really saw it visibly affect Michael Chandler. Luckily for him, he was able to get the knockout quickly thereafter, so it didn't affect the fight too much in that aspect. But if Charles is able to lay it on him nice and early and get those leg kicks going, he could possibly end up finding the finish with maybe a desperation takedown from Chandler and he sticks his neck out a little bit and Chan, uh, Oliver actually ends up snatching it up. But Chandler never been submitted in his career. That That's one thing that you can definitely give him uh, props for. With that said, like, grappling wise is he fight has he ever fought anybody to the level of charles Oliveira? i think the closest is Gaiota yamauchi and you know i think we are we are all aware of how good yamauchi is off of his back and and with his ground game but i still don't think it's to the level of charles Oliveira. the last thing i'll say about this fight charles Oliveira round two against kevin lee two fights ago looked a little bit of a, of a fish off out of the water off of his back right like uh, kevin lee is in half guard landing some good shots staying active enough that i didn't believe that the fight needed to be stood up yet you see charles Oliveira just looking up at the ref like hey you gonna stand this up yet where's that black belt bro where's that what's that like jujitsu that you're supposed to have where you when you can either retain guard or get back to your feet and that was a really bad sign for me and that was only two fights ago and again i i, I nitpicked uh um, Charles Oliveira's eight-fight winning streak last night on the, on the stream that I did last night. So I'm not going to do it again. And I had somebody comment back saying, why didn't you nitpick uh, Ch Chandler's resume? Obviously, you can nitpick Ch Chandler's resume. The guy's coming from Bellator. Only ever had one UFC fight. He's at the wrath of the promotion that he's in. He fought the best of the best. He came up short a couple times, right? Royal Brooks had his number uh, two times in that organization. Obviously, Patricio, uh, Patricio Pitbull puts him out a couple fights ago. So he's fighting the best of the best of there. And yeah, he might be coming up short against those guys. But stylistically speaking, this is a completely different matchup than anything that we've been seeing in the past for, for Michael Chandler. So... I don't care who wins as long as it comes within the first 12 and a half minutes. I wish the more widely available total here was a three and a half as I'd feel slightly more comfortable with that. Um, but I do think that it still ends up happening probably in the first or second round. First round, Michael Chandler plus 460. Give me all of that, baby, because I think he's going to land that shot. And even if you want to get a little bit risky with it, uh, round two, uh, I think it has a decent number as well. I'm just going to pull that up real quick. Uh, Chandler in round two is uh, plus 675. So sprinkle a little bit of both, and I think he ends up finding the chin regardless. But that under two and a half is what I'm going to be banking on the most this week. And Adam, how are you seeing this matchup? And not to mention you are muted, so I, there we go. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, of course. Um, yeah, I mean, a great fight, obviously, guys. I can't wait for this one. Uh, that, not the easiest fight to pick. I mean, they both have path to victory for sure. Uh, Chandler, man, I've watched both these guys their whole careers. I saw I saw him fight Gono at Casino Rama in 2012. Yes. So, yeah, you, yeah, I think you were there too. So, yeah, I mean, like, yeah. he's a guy I've been watching forever, man. I mean, I love the guy. Um, love Oliver, too. And Oliver's a guy that, you know, I've been pretty good at betting against earlier um, when he used to quit in his fights. But he's not <laughs> like that anymore, right? Like, he's really turned a corner, I think. And, man, watching his win streak back, you know, while I was researching this fight again, like, man, he's looked really good, guys. Like, I feel like, okay, I'm going to make a bold prediction here. Even though I'm not going to bet the fight because, honestly, I can't see Chandler knocking him out. But I'll make a bold prediction. I think Oliver could knock out Chandler. So that's going to be my prediction in this one. I think Oliver's Muay Thai improvements will see him knock out Chandler, but I'm not going to really bank on it. It's just the prediction I have, and I'll have more shares of him in DraftKings and stuff like that. But as far as a play, I'm going to watch this one. I can't wait for this fight, guys. But I do think Oliver um, can show some, some striking in this fight, and I hope, hope my prediction comes true. 
I don't blame you, dude, though, because I don't think we uh, we gave enough credence to the lack of durability that Chandler has, too, right? That guy can be rocked. He can be dropped, and Charles Oliveira definitely has some good snap and pop on his shots so that he can make that come to fruition for sure. The one thing I will say about the, the quitting narrative, I just don't feel like he's faced anybody that's required him to quit, right? Kevin Lee has yeah. a bad gas tank. Tony Ferguson mm -hmm. couldn't do anything in terms of stopping the takedowns. If he goes up against more adversity, I think we'll see that quit come out once again. But uh, again, it, it's good that we haven't seen it over eight fights, uh, especially against the guy like Tony Ferguson, who I thought would be able to, to go out there and break him legs. Bring this one home. Who are you like in uh, uh, Ferg or, or sorry, uh, Oliveira or Chandler? I'll pick it up from that like quitting narrative a little bit. In that eight fight <laughs> winning streak, there's not really a guy there to push that quitting narrative. I like, yeah. Mm -hmm. So then to, to get it to the fights, you know, stylistically, I just both stylistically and statistically favor the under two and a half, like we touched on. 18 to 27 of Shamless fights under two and a half, 34 of Oliver's 38 fights under two and a half. Under two and a half, minus 140. I also have Shamler K of plus 280. Like you touched on the round one, I think that's likely possible as well. Though I think he can mix in the wrestling here. I think he can stay safe with, you know, Oliver throwing up submissions. But I think, like I said, Shamler can largely stay safe on top if he was too grind decision out here but i think this is a this fight gets finished pretty early but from an Oliveira finishing perspective i like adam touched on i think he has a chance to finish on the feet you know we've seen chandler before but not to mention i think Chen, i think Oliveira's submission potential here is more so on guillotine on entry of chandler's takedowns more so than off of his back so that's why i think the chandler could use that wrestle heavy approach here but i like violence i like violence early here uh, I do think that Chandler has some pretty good uh, submission defense awareness when he is on top of fighters. Again, the main one that we have to look at is the Gaioti Yamauchi fight. Sydney Outlaw, a great grappler as well, but we didn't see that fight hit the ground, so you can't really say much about that. But Gaioti Yamauchi, that's the one fight that we have to pick, or Chandler, how he does against guys that are pretty crafty off their back. But Charles Oliveira, again, completely different monster than what we're being getting from Gaioti Yamauchi. All right. Introducing the new segment, we will be getting the lock of the night play per se from everybody that uh, we have on the on the panel here. First and foremost, I'll kick things off. I haven't released my picks yet to the public, but I'm doing that right now, and I will obviously drop them on the the Twitters and the Instagrams after the stream wraps up. But my lock of the night play has got to be the under two and a half in this this main event. I'm expecting absolute chaos here. I got in at minus 165. A little bit of chalk, but I don't mind it as I do believe that uh, Arlovera, very offensive mind and again, firecracker from the get-go. Not so much in that Ferguson fight being super disciplined, but again, I don't think that he'll have the success in terms of dragging this fight uh, down to the ground and controlling uh, Chandler the way that he was able to control uh, Mr. Ferguson last time around. So yeah, my lock of the night play is going to be the under two and a half on the main event. I think if the over hits here, Vegas is going to be making a lot of money because I know for sure I'm not the only one on this play. And I think a lot of people are actually uh, giving the advice of the under two and a half in this fight. Uh, Adam, what what's, what do you consider your safest play? Let's not use the word lock. <laughs> yeah, the word get lock angry scares about that me, shit. man. It makes me like shiver, guys. Like it scares me. So I, I don't want to sure. say it. I'm not going to say it. I don't want to. Um, <laughs> what's your safest play then? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? Like I was, I've been thinking the whole episode, right? Because I feel like I'm on a couple dogs this week, you know, to be honest with you, like kind of like small, small plays, like nothing like, there's nothing like crazy that's like hammer this one for me. But I, I would honestly, if there's one safe play, if I had to say, it'd be just the fight doesn't go the distance in the main event. 
minus 500 because I don't think it's the full distance. <laughs> God damn it. There's a I'm safe to play there for you guys. That's safe enough. Minus 250s right? are better for me, guys. And Adam drops the fight, doesn't go to decision. Adam, I'm going to come back around to you. Fine. I'm going to say this. I'm going to give you, let, let's give this scenario. I'm giving all of you guys $1,000 that you put on your safest bet, uh, minus 200 or better. Adam, I'll come okay. back to you. Legs. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, legs, hit me. What do you have? Minus 200 or better. I'm giving you a grand and you're hoping this pays off. I'm sticking with my my largest bet of the night, Shane Burgos, minus 122. I think he's got the kryptonite style to beat it, to potentially find a knockout. I like it. I like it. AJ, what do you got? Listen, man. Michael Chandler, knockout. Hey. That would be my prop. That would be my lock over the night. But big guy on Chandler, I, I've looked into this fight a lot. I, I've seen what's going to happen at the end of the day. I'm not saying I'm the MMA oracle, but in this matchup here, I've seen the vision. I'm riding Michael Chandler, knockout. That's my lock of the night. All right, let's get it. Let's get Adam. Give us something better than that minus 500. I know, right? I know, I know. Um, You know what, guys? Like, There's there's a couple of fights of the prelims I'm looking at. Uh. A guy I really like. I really like this Lutz guy. I really like Tucker okay. Tucker Lutz here, and it's a pickup price. So, kind of grand. I mean, that's basically you're gonna make nine hundred bucks or something off that. That sounds pretty good to me, guys. On, on a guy that has a clear path to victory with the, with the grappling. So, that's a play I like, guys. I'll go Tucker Lutz. There we go. There's my play. Perfect. I love it. I love it. I love it. Again, I started this stream off by pretty much telling you guys this card is very closely aligned throughout the entire card. Uh, be very careful in terms of you know. Again, I, I, for fun, I call this shit the lock of the night. It is my most confident play that I feel most confident in putting my money in just as these guys drop their plays as well too. But again, it, there's nothing like a lock of the night uh, when it comes to MMA. So just be very careful in terms of how much you're investing into some of these bets and uh, check your confidence at the door because anything can fucking happen when we uh, close the, the octagon doors. All right. Great show. We have managed to do this under two hours, which I'm very happy about. I don't like the ones that really go over two hours. I know people in the live chat love to stick around and uh, just shoot the shit. But uh, we got places to be on a Friday night. We got lives as well, people. We do appreciate giving uh, this information and, and this content to you guys. And first and foremost, shout out to the panel members here. I will swing it around the horn so everybody can plug their stuff so you guys know where they can uh, where you can find them. Uh, so, Adam, well, let's start off with you. Where can they find your work and your social media shit? Yeah, you got it right there. And then Adam Martin on Twitter, guys, always always around talking fights, man. Um, I work for a few outlets. BJPan.com is where I do my news, but I also work for uh, MMAOddsBreaker.com and uh, Leap Fantasy Leap Betting, where uh, I do my plays there, my DFS advice. Uh, so if you guys like that stuff, definitely check out their website. Um, yeah, man, just hit me up on Twitter, guys. I always love talking fights and uh, can't wait for tomorrow night, man. It's going to be awesome. Thanks again for having me, man. I had a lot of fun with you guys, so, so it was really good. Absolutely. Again, you guys can follow him at MMA Dam Martin if you want to go that way as well about it too. Uh, but thank you, Adam. I appreciate you coming on the show. Legs, please do plug your stuff as well. Yeah, thank you for having me as well. You can find it down below here. Legs underscore the capper. And then as Locke touched on before, at Club and Soap Pod on Twitter. Club and Soap Podcast Wednesday nights, 10 p.m. Eastern on YouTube. And uh, I also do a prop article that I released Wednesday afternoon-ish for Club and Soap Podcast as well three best props I talk about and also a little degenerate prop section. Um, so yeah, thanks for having me again. No worries. Shout out to John Stargaryan, to Luke sparring with reality betting. And obviously my guy C who's just always on the move. Love those guys over there at the club and sub pod. <laughs> AJ, how can they find you? Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, all that shit. Let them know where they can find you. Find me on YouTube, MMA expert covering all things MMA, best sport on the planet. A little bit of boxing too. Got to, got to give the love to the OG. Um, we do, 
UFC, Bellator, PFL, one championship. And sometimes we sprinkle in some regional stuff as well. If you want me on Twitter too, I'm new to the Twitter sphere, but I realized I had to hop on it. It's AJ MMA experts on Twitter, Instagram. You can catch me at MMA underscore experts. If you want like my workout stuff, go on AJ DeVito fitness and uh, also a little bit of TikTok action. It's just random junk. We post out there. We have to do it. It's MMA underscore experts on TikTok as well. Make sure you guys smash the likes and subscribe to the latest video as well. If you're, if you're looking for some predictions, you know, you get this, this ugly mug all the time talking <laughs> these fights. <laughs> Hey, shout out to the TikTok grind over there because uh, we might chuckle at it, but you can't be neglecting any market, uh, especially when we got big markets like Twitter, Instagram, and and now obviously TikTok. So shout out to you. I might be joining you over there on TikTok very shortly as soon as I can get some more time on my motherfucking hands. But obviously you guys know where you can find me. You're watching me on my channel, uh, but on the social medias, MMALOTN on Instagram, Twitter, and obviously YouTube. And uh, I'll drop my official plays after this stream on one of those pages. So make sure you guys go check that out. Once again, shout out to the panel, Adam legs aj appreciate appreciate you guys coming on and appreciate up to the close to 300 live members we peaked at uh for watching the show and obviously the tons of people that we're going to be watching on the replay appreciate you guys hanging with us don't have the cast for next week next week uh locked up yet but i will drop there as soon as i can uh but yeah good luck on your bets this weekend and hopefully we get some via uh some violence shout out to michael chandler though get that first round knock let's go <laughs> under two and a half